Welcome, everybody, to the Tech Trends Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology, research, and news. I am Benjamin Moses, Director of Manufacturing Technology, and I'm here with... And I'm Stephen Lamarca, AMT's Technology Analyst. Hi, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Ben. Awesome. There's a couple of lessons that I learned this past two weeks. Uh, okay. Back to automation. Uh, so back to my favorite place in the world, the public library. Uh, I was behind a guy checking in his books with my daughter. Um, and it's automated check-in, so it's got a conveyor, an optical scanner. All you have to do is slide it through when the device tells you to slide it through. He was struggling, Stephen. He, every time he would uh, try to scan the book through, the machine would say, error, uh, try to do it again, clear off your desk. Uh, so the lesson that I learned there is, one, follow the instructions. Follow the rules that have been set up from the automation. Um, the problem that he was running into was he was pushing the books in too early. The, the sign said had a red light, red light, and it said processing. Do not enter. Do not put another book. He tried to put another book. Tried to keep feeding it through. Sure. So he almost jammed the whole system. But luckily, the system's fairly robust, where it didn't accept more books. Right. Uh, the second thing he failed at was following the instructions. Was clearing the little table. So it's got a small lip there to put the books. Um, and it said clear the entire area, uh, and had a red barcode scanner. He had some of the books there. So when he cleared that one book that didn't feed. He didn't clear the other books. So the systems kept thinking that he's trying to process more books. Mm -hmm. So he didn't follow the instructions. Right. And unfortunately, I let him do it long enough where my daughter started looking at me and started complaining. Then I yelled at him, follow the instructions. And I just I told him directly what to do what the machine did. So I was, I was like in one of the movies, repeating what the computer tells right. me to do. And then he just followed the instructions. But that was an interesting lesson learned that if you do set up an automated process... Follow the instructions on the pin pad. All you got to do is just follow the instructions, which requires a little bit of discipline, which gets into my second point is I finally broke down and bought an automated vacuum cleaner. Okay. Not a high-end one. It's kind of an experiment. Uh, hopefully it'll last about two years, which would be fine. Sure. Like a $200 robot vacuum cleaner. It's a great entry. Uh, it's a simple level of uh, connectivity. It doesn't connect your phone, which I like, because uh, I don't need that connectivity. It has a remote and it does scheduling. Two things that I liked. Mm -hmm. um, so I started it uh, running and I did a test during the day I saw it bump into a few things so I realized one of the rules for the automation that level of automation is you can't have random things on the floor cables right. small slippers little things that are going to get stuck right. inside right that's pretty common sense it's like hiring a maid service. You know, you can't you can't just like leave your place at pigsty and exactly. expect them to clean it up. No, yeah. it needs to be some degree exactly. of clean before yep. they can come in and right. you know, automation. So uh, I have the uh, robot set to run at 11 p.m. because if I run the, during the day, it'll set off the motion sensor and security system. Right. And it's a quieter system, so I, that's one of the reasons I bought it. So it runs at 11 p.m. at night. works great. Uh, it's been running for about two weeks, uh, but except last night came down, and it was stuck in one of the uh, – uh, strings attached to the balloons that were floating, but the string was on the floor. Oh, wow. So I lacked the discipline to enforce my rules to make sure enough stuff was out of the way. And it was right next to the uh, charging station, so it literally went two feet, cleaned two feet of space, and then got stuck. Nice. Uh, of course, my daughter was freaking out because she, she, she named him Freddy. So Freddy had troubles last night. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's eating your balloons that you left there. So it was an interesting lesson learned. It's, uh, you know, one, follow the rules that you put in place, and there's high I won't say high level of discipline because discipline is pretty black and white in this case. Either you do it or you don't. So yeah. I thought that was a really uh, interesting lesson learned through life that uh, are very applicable to automation. Uh, so speaking of automation and lessons learned, um, we had some uh, things going on in the test bed this week. You want to recap? A us? lot of lessons learned. Good. So in in short, plenty of lessons learned. Yep. I hope, and certainly a lack of discipline. Um, <laughs> but uh, so. 
with the test bed, um, the, the, not the, in the last week, but I think it was two or three weeks ago, um, there was a huge rainstorm, and it only lasted about like 15 minutes. Right. It was that big. Right. You know, the bigger the storm, the shorter the duration. But it was a huge rainstorm, and um, essentially the test bed got soaked. It got flooded. Okay. Um, Which is not good because the test bed is indoors. It's in an office building. It is indoors. It's close to some windows, and there happens to be a door by those windows, and the door should have been locked. And um, because there's holes in in our (laughs) building, especially in the roof, um, the high pressures outside created a sort of vacuum, and it blew the door open, which was left unlocked by the the, the window cleaning crew that uh, cleaned our building's windows over the weekend and that uh that vacuum blew the door open um breaking a window because the door actually swung outward and around and there's like no door stop on the outside of the building because mm. uh, we're on the ninth floor why would there be and it, it it's hit the outside window fortunately there's two that's a two, two piece right. it's a double pane glass window um and it broke the outside one but just that door that small door i mean it's a regular sized door sure. but Considering that the the test bed area is roughly eleven by eleven feet in size, the entire floor, that eleven foot by eleven foot uh, piece of floor, got and everything in it got totally soaked by the uh, rain. Right. Enough water. That's how bad the storm was. Enough water came through that small doorway. That fifteen minute window. Um, it, I mean, I don't think it was open for fifteen sure, minutes, sure. but but the, the the storm was certainly fifteen right. minutes. The the door was probably open for tops. Um, ninety seconds. Oh man! Because um, yep. like people ran over right away okay. to close the door. Okay. Jules, thankfully, was there to close it. Yeah. Um, but the test bed got soaked. Uh, the lessons learned is you know either we should move expensive manufacturing <laughs> equipment away from doors and windows, yep. uh, away from the environment sure. to a more secure area, um, or just you know. Like, you know, when we first got the Pocket NC, uh, or, or, you know, the machine tool, um, we were very, you know, we were trying to be very strict and, you know, have some discipline on keeping the enclosure closed right. when running the machine. You know, you wouldn't want to power on the machine, um, or, or you wouldn't even want to take it off e-stop until the enclosure is shut. And you certainly wouldn't want to reach into the enclosure and have the enclosure open when the spindle's running and the axes are moving. Well, you know, you think about that. A lot of that—that's common sense in a lot of. Well, you'd think it's common sense in a lot of machine shops and a lot of factories, um, but you don't think to make sure that the building doors are <laughs> locked. So, yeah, it's something that you know just was un- very unfortunate. It could have been avoided absolutely, right, right. but I, nobody would really think to do something like that. Yeah, and it is unfortunate that a lot of the factories I've been in and that I've seen that I've worked in, one of the problems that they always have is just maintaining a a relatively consistent atmosphere, mm-hmm. especially in the, the general floor. Uh, they'll have QC that may be climate controlled or a special sure. zone where they're doing a special process. But if you just have a general machine shop, it's generally yeah. either hot or not so hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the hot days, what do they do? Probably open the doors yeah. to, just to get some airflow. And the problem occurs just like that, where a sudden flash, flood, flash storm comes in, some water comes in. Yeah. Um, and it's a more of a problem. Like we had a welding area too where we noticed a high level of defects and we were able to correlate it to 
hey, this guy's got a door open, and a breeze is coming through and knocking out the backing gas, where once you do that, you, lose, you start uh, increasing porosity because of uh, oxygen in the, in the weld. Right. So it's, it's really interesting the point that you bring up that uh, the level of discipline is required. Hey, let's keep our doors closed. It's straightforward, sure. but it's a valuable and, and lesson. It's the, the other lessons learned. So, so the beauty is, to, to recap um, the aftermath of the event, you know, the machine got soaked, but at least the enclosure was closed. Right. So the internals of the machine, like, you know, the tables and mm -hmm. the spindle and, and all the exposed cables on the inside of the enclosure um, didn't get wet. The machine, for all intents and, pur intents and purposes, did not get wet. Um, stuff that did get wet, the Raspberry Pi that runs the MT Connect uh, agent, um, I think, got wet. Okay. I don't think it's damaged. Sure. Uh, we haven't te ran tests on that yet. Um the uninterrupted power supply, the UPS, is did get wet, but it's fine, thankfully, because you know testing that we anybody could have gotten pretty shocked with right. that. Um, the sonic wall, uh, the, the essentially the, the the server network yep. that is running the test bed, that all the test bed components are on, is fine. Um, but the other lessons learned on top of in any not even machine shop any anybody that works with hand tools regularly can tell you this one the big discipline that i was also lacking was putting the tools away uh, you'll notice if you see the test bed now it's a lot cleaner right it's a lot less cluttered okay. because i've put the tools away oh, now. Be, they weren't before that right. storm hit and because of that everything got soaked Fortunately, nothing rusted. They sure. were dried off pretty quickly yep. by hand towel. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a, another discipline, a lesson yeah, learned yeah. from that. That's good. To develop. Um, well, we've been uh, running the machine since then, and we've uh, run into a few other yeah, things. So, since, what else so, so, of all the things we've tested, like I said, we tested the sonic wall that's working. Yep. The uninterrupted power supply, it's working. It got wet, but it was working. Um, and it's and it's not damaged. The machine is not damaged. And since then, we have been running the machine. Um, but we have run into a problem that um, I thought I had cleared up before, and this actually happened. This actually happened once before that uh, flood, but um, I recently ran into it again operating the machine. But the B table, um, we've we've run into some turmoil with the B table, in which after an excessive amount of rotations, not necessarily excessive, but after multiple rotations it will actually trip up on itself and stop rotating. Okay. Um, and of course, in machine kit, the, uh, the HMI, um, the, uh, the B axis, the, the degrees will increase or decrease. It'll say it's rotating, okay. but it's hung up on something and, and uh, you notice some backlash. It's, right. it's not actually rotating. Sure. It's just kind of like stuttering, kind of like how a, um, a, a second hand on a quartz watch right. will like, you know, just, twitch back and forth when it's really low on battery. Sure, the, the, sure. the motors don't have enough power to yep. actually move the second hand. Uh, time to replace the battery. <laughs> it was kind of like that, but obviously there's no power problem going to the pocket NC. It's powered. So, I, and in the past when I ran into this before, it was because the belt that actually drives the B table from the two stepper motors um, kind of doesn't slip off of its pulleys, but it, it it, it starts rubbing against the backing cover plate of the B-table, which okay. protects the pulleys and the belt from any chips that are created from the manufacturing process and getting stuck in there. Right. So I removed the backing plate, 
saw that there's some hot spots on the belt, okay. like where the belt is actually rubbing up wow. against the backing it's plate and actually browning. Like, okay. you know, there's yeah. enough heat that it's browning. The The belt is white, and there's some hot, like, browned parts of the belt sure. that shows this is excessive friction right here. So um, what I've done, and I've, and I've been working with uh, Pocket NC. They're really great with, uh, you know, getting back to me right away. I actually sure. called them first before okay. I rent, shot an email to them. Called them first. Human picks up right away. <laughs> and not only this, and it wasn't even a receptionist. It was somebody who knows the, the in and outs okay. of the machine. Okay, so deep in the Well, actually, company. to be totally transparent, uh, the gentleman I talked to was like, I know everything there is to know about the Pocket NC V2. <laughs> Um, let me forward you to somebody who knows the V1 and uh, can help you more with that. But that's good. It was, again, they're really helpful, and they sure. got back to me right away, and they've since sent me a checklist of things to go through okay. and to contact them for further information if I need help elsewhere. But what I've done in the meantime was I removed the backing plate, um, re-centered the, uh, the belt and pulleys so they're not really mm -hmm. slipping off their axes, the serve, uh, stepper motors look fine. I don't think there's an excessive backlash with uh, those, the, the drive shafts. Um, but, uh, re you know, recentered the belt so there's Good. no more friction hotspots. Yep. And if they do start rubbing against the, if it does start rubbing against the uh, backing cover plate again, I have actually greased them, okay. the, the, both the pulleys and the belt and the cover plate itself. So three things. Um, I applied uh, industrial grade axle grease Good. to, um, so you know it's not like oil or anything, because right. you know oil will eventually you know not evaporate, but it'll right. gum up and yep. sludge up. You know I, I want something relatively low yeah. maintenance. That's what grease is sure. for, sure. and it's not like you need oil in the first place because these things don't. It doesn't the B table does not rotate super fast right. even at its right. max speed. It doesn't rotate super fast, so grease should be enough to. Uh, yep. Uh, lube it and you know we'll see if Good. i need to apply oil in the future yeah. um also you know the machine is advertised as not needing routine or regular maintenance right. which i'm sure other machine tools more industrial grade machine tools probably do require regular maintenance Correct. um so in the future i will you know I'll, i'm going to write up a plan okay. to like once every six months Take off the backing cover plate because the like the B, like I said the B table is the only thing I've run into problems with. Right. Um, take off the backing cover plate and apply some you know uh, I don't know which weight you know some sure. some gun oil or some like knife <laughs> o uh, knife pivot oil sure. um, to the uh, the um, the pulleys. Okay. So, so maybe every six plan. months I'm okay, coming up with a maintenance good. plan. That's awesome. A cleaning and lubing. Yep. You know. That's like, good. Like well, you would. Well, nice thing about it is to, if we find out more issues, the only way to do that is through running the part, running well, the machine. Mean, so yeah, I'm, let's keep running the machine. So you also been. Uh, but before we go on, let, yeah. me, let me just continue. Oh, okay. uh, the the uh, about I know we're going long on this, but the the main reason or the main cause of this problem in the first place right. is because I'm pretty sure I was using the wrong G code ah, command. Yeah, I'm glad so, you brought that up. Um, in thinking about it, like. So the code that I had been running, I'd been running my single line G code for uh, facing an entire piece of uh, an entire face of stock with one line of right. code. It's my spiral machine pass or, or cutting pass that uh, it, it, it's been really effective in the past, but it might be the cause for this trouble. And the reason is, or, or what I suspect it might be, is I'm using a G double lot command, okay. which is send all of the coordinate all the axes to this coordinate as fast as possible so right. 
max speed, yep. disregarding uh, disregarding the feed rate override. Okay. So it just says, you know, feed rate override means nothing. Sure. Send all of the axes to this coordinate at the same time as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. When I should be using, or at least I think and I hope this is, you know, will, will be a, a fix, um, I should be using a GOT1 command, okay. which is send all of the axes to the prescribed coordinate so they arrive at the same time. Ah, to synchronize so all of them together. So all yeah. axes moving with respect to the feed override. Okay. Um, so that they follow that prescri- pres- prescribed override um, to get to that final coordinate as fast as the slowest axes. Okay. So... And that may be the problem. Yep. Using the G double lot command is probably fine when you're just jogging. When sure. you're not actually, you don't, when you don't have right. the cutting tool engaging with the workpiece or no stock. Load, no load on the, the motors. G ought one, let's hope, is more safe to engage the tool to the stock while running all awesome. the axes at once. So hopefully, yeah. you know, with the grease and the um, uh, the G ought one command. Yeah. And of course, further instruction and help from Pocket NC. Um, this should clear up the B table yeah. process. Yeah, and again, my uh, direction of let's just make keep making chips. I think that'll be a right. key way of testing it. Yeah, but we're I learning. Think, yep. we're learning as we go, yeah. and we've come a long way. And you know, we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of learning, you've got a visitor that was with us uh, running the machine with us. Can you yeah bring that? Yeah. So um, as of late, the past few weeks, I have been uh, hosting. Elena Bachman, who mm-hmm. is a high school senior, senior who actually just graduated yesterday wow, nice. from uh, George C. Marshall High School here in uh, Tyson's, Virginia. Is it Vienna? Tyson's, Virginia. Um, and she, uh, she's she been the captain since freshman of high school. Okay. She's been the captain of um, Griffin Robotics, which is the robotics team at, at Marshall High School. Cool. And she's a real smart kid. Yep. Um, student. What's not a kid? <laughs> Man, she's she's a high fair. school graduate now. Um, anyway, really smart cookie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she, uh, so so she's been working with our colleague Russ, you mm-hmm. know, the MT Connect manager, um, who's been a sort of mentor to uh, the entire robotics team. But she has her own mentor at the high school. Um, who's really helped her, like, you know, give some guidance to where she wants to go for college and, you know, potential career path. Anyway, as a gift to her mentor, she uh, wants to make a D20. Sure. Or a, I'm not even going to try to say, it, it's not a dodecahedron because right. that's a 12-sided <laughs> die. And we had a conversation about this. This did I, not end well. Isocahedron, I don't know, something <laughs> like that, man. I'm not fact-checking myself So on it's this a dice one. with several It's a sides. 20-sided okay. die. Typically used for Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. If you don't know what that is, man. Lord help you. <laughs> um, but uh, so she's making a gift for him. She she's making to, a gift yeah. for him. This her her mentor, you know, likes D and D. So uh, she wants to mill out of Delrin. We've got plenty of Delrin. Sure. We've got a five axis mill yeah. with one fixturing. We should be able to do. We should be able to mill this D twenty and part it off, all in you know one fixturing. Sure. Um, and so she showed me her uh, CAD design, okay. and then I regretfully informed her that you know the getting getting your design down pat is ten percent of the <laughs> workflow, and yep. cutting it on the machine tool, actually having the yeah. you know the machine tool make chips from you know your 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 stock, 
and turn it into a part is another 5% of the workflow. And now you have an 85% deficit of, you know, what, what goes from idea to part. And that's your cam engineering. Sure. And I was like, yep. I hate to break it to you. You know, you, you've, you've got some cam and you, you, before I can do anything for you, you've got, to, I can show you how to boot up the machine, right. you know, manually operate it and, you know, get comfortable with it and get comfortable with like tool changes and inserting stock, measuring it, using the edge finder, whatever you want. I can get you doing all the basic stuff, running the machine. Right. But cam, I'm absolutely terrible at. <laughs> it's something you're going to have to learn and yep. research and learn yourself. And you, you can, I, I, I'm always open doors. You're always sure. welcome here, right. Elena. Um, and, but, but you got to bring me some G code. <laughs> Use the machine yeah. as much as you want. Good. I can't make G code for sure. you though. Sure. You know, get me G code and we'll test it. We'll run yeah. it in a simulator yeah. and then we'll, you know, we'll do an, an air cut to see if everything looks right, everything feels right, and then, you know, we'll, we'll make a D20 for you, but awesome. you just got to bring me that G-code <laughs> first. So that's what's going on with the okay. test bed. Good. You know, I've got a write-up for the incident, I've done a write-up for the incident report of the storm okay. that uh, flooded the place. Yep. Um, uh, this this week's uh, post will be um, the incident with the B-table sure. and my interaction with Pocket NC, which has been fantastic, uh, and, and the lessons learned and how we can fix it in the future. Um, and then next week we should have, Elena's confident that next week we will have a, uh, a 20 sided die. Oh man. Um, we'll see. I, man, I, I, cohedron. That's, I, I'm, stop, <laughs> just give up. Just, D20. Yeah. 20 yeah. sided nerds. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's what's going on with the, uh, the test bed. Awesome. Awesome. While that's going on, I was looking up some uh, articles and I found some interesting things. One of the, uh, oh, this is the tech trends podcast. After that, all. Yeah, that is true. Uh, was an article from CRN, and they talk about 10 platforms for automating machine learning. Mm -hmm. So I've been working with um, some of our uh, uh, software development group, and um, some of our, we have Nina, of course, our data scientist, and the term machine learning has come up quite a few times in our circles, particularly with uh, word analysis. Uh, so they're working on a project where they had to research some other tools, and I found this article also that outlined uh, what tools are available, so I'm going to just quickly recap the big names that are, are currently available that have uh, openly uh, available tools that you can purchase, buy, pay per transaction for. And also there's a bunch of startups that are outlined here too. Uh, so starting with the big names that a lot of people are probably aware of, Google, uh, Cloud, Auto ML, uh, Auto Machine Learning um, has, uh, has been around for a little bit. And they're popular because of their um, homegrown tools uh, with TensorFlow. So it allows for collecting of data and some of the built-in libraries that they have. Uh, IBM Watson made big, uh, sure. big news with uh, Jeopardy. Um, yeah. You can uh, use their services. So they take a no-code approach, so it's a lot of graphical interface. Um, and they're, of course, distributed um, to access their GPU. So when you're running the analysis, you can accelerate it by using graphic uh, processors. Uh, Amazon, Amazon Web Services. In this particular case, they have a bunch of different machine learning things. They have uh, uh, SageMaker. Uh, they have a bunch of pre-installed al algorithms and provisional GPUs also. So similar, but they have some different nuances between the two. What is GPU? A graphical processor unit. Oh, okay. So like graphics card? Graphics card, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. So on the server side, what you do is uh, any cal detail calculations will actually run through the GPU because it's sure. more efficient. It's, uh, the higher-end uh, GPUs are actually geared towards running mathematical calculations. Cool. Uh, it has better throughput and things like that. 
Uh, so Amazon is one that uh, they're going to be very popular. They have the entire suite that you can store the data in and run machine learning on and distribute their uh, the tool on also. Uh, Microsoft has your Azure uh, ML uh, for built-in support for many open source tools. Uh, they also have a no-code option. Uh, Oracle is the last uh, big name that I'll throw out there, and they uh, join forces with datascience.com uh, to help uh, distribute uh, libraries and languages and tools as part of their services. So that, that's a, the suite of big names that currently exist. The rest are a bunch of startups that are very similar uh, tools, but what they do is offer something slightly different. Uh, so in the machine world, machine learning world, you put in a data set, uh, then you figure out which algorithm fits that data set to get you to a prediction or a forecast or some other thing that you want to do later. These hmm. next ones automate that process of picking which algorithm that you want. So what they also allow you to do is put in your data set, it actually runs a series of different algorithms, and based on what you want as output, it tells you which algorithm you should use. So it's an algorithm that fits an algorithm. Yes. <laughs> you could say it's a circular loop, but it's there. So I'll ask, H I'll ask uh, Nina if that's what machine learning is. <laughs> so H2O is one company. Um, they offer, uh, a lot of these will offer GPU acceleration. Um, uh, Domino Data Labs, uh, they're not cool because they um, can have an open configurable Docker container so you can reuse environments. Uh, Alterx uh, pulls data from different sources, so it's agnostic of what type of source and where you're putting it from, so you can pull from different data warehouses, different cloud applications, even spreadsheets. Data Robot is something similar, but the nice thing about that, it runs all the different training sets, all the different um, evaluations at the same time. So it spreads the load as opposed to running them in series. Uh, and Celdon is the last startup that I'll mention that uh, I came across. Uh, they're very similar to the other one. It, they're agnostic to the different deployment tools and cloud infrastructure. So it's uh, interesting um, when you look at the landscape out there. And one of the reasons I bring this up also is that in working with our software development team, there are subtle nuances that when you look through, there's one little option that helps you accelerate what you want to do more. Mm -hmm. uh, we were actually using IBM Watson for quite a while and in working with a, a customer of America Makes, there's one text analytics that tool that we wanted to, uh, or one problem set for understanding text that IBM Watson didn't quite solve. But once we looked at Amazon, Microsoft, and Oracle, Amazon has that tool right away. So while all the other tools offer five other things that are very similar, Amazon offered the one thing, and that's why we're probably gonna gear towards that for that one specific problem set. Hmm. So it's interesting to see, one, the landscape of big companies and startups, yeah. and there's probably 20 others that are I didn't talk about that are, exist. Um, sure. So just something to keep in mind if you are looking to understand or do any type of machine learning applications, there's a whole suite of products out there and a whole suite of tools to help you understand the tools. Algorithms help understand algorithms yeah. out there. So I mean, that's, that it's, it's fascinating for sure, but I'm more interested in... Uh, just learning exactly what machine learning is, and I, and I think I'm not, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone on that one. <laughs> but um, and that brings me that that actually brings us perfectly into the article that I brought us, yep. which is um, simply put, um, 25 technology terms everyone should know. Okay. And what's cool about this is this actually popped up on Tech Trends, and I clicked on it thinking that okay, this probably isn't the most industry m m uh, manufacturing industry related but found that it actually delightfully is. And it, it's a great article, and uh, um, our colleague Jules has since uh, posted it on our LinkedIn, and I think you showed me that. Um, but uh, so 
25 technology terms everyone should know. And I would like to highlight this because especially people in the manufacturing technology industry or manufacturing industry. Um, now, I, I will say that most of the terms on this list with their definitions are mostly IT. Sure. But um, a lot of them are, there, there's a handful that are really buzzing around the manufacturing industry. And even though most of them are IT related, you know, with the current trend, uh, trends towards um, cyber and cyber physical security in our, uh, in manufacturing, um, a, a lot of these are security related right. and pertain to, you know, uh, a lot of shop managers and, and whatnot. Um, but the, uh, the four main ones that uh, are buzzing around our industry that, you know, you've heard us say them and, and check tech trends right now. And I'm sure there's a handful of articles on each of these terms, but um, the four I selected that certainly pertain to our industry are AI or artificial intelligence, augmented reality, AR, uh, machine learning yeah. or ML and open source. Okay. Um, open source is probably the easiest of those uh, of those there. four. <laughs> open source is, you know, and, and before I even get into that, I'll just say that everybody should know the reason why everyone should know these twenty five technology terms is you've certainly heard them all, right? And if you hadn't, if if you haven't, you should look into them <laughs> um, and at least know a general idea of what they mean. And this article gives a really good baseline 101 definition of okay. each of these terms. Um, a lot of people have a good general idea sure. of what they mean, um, but there are some people who will say, will swear that their uh, interpretation uh, is, is, is best. Right. And I think this article can help a lot of people clear that up. Um, but the first one, you know, the first one that I mentioned uh, that's easiest is open source. Okay. And the first thing that came to my mind, of course, is MT Connect, our sure. communication standard. Um, it's it's open source, meaning it's available to everybody. Um, it's essentially free. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't cost any money to get the the the, the code behind sure. something that is open source. Like Linux is an okay. open source operating system. Um, what are some other examples of open source? Uh, Android operating system. Sure. Unlike iOS, yep. you know, it's open source. Um, so the function components are available and you can access them. That's right. the basic definition. Right. I know uh, Elon Musk likes to say <laughs> that, you know, the designs to all the Tesla cars are open source. Mm -hmm. And that, like, all of the design information and, and uh, they're apparently, this may have changed as sure. of late, but originally when like the model s and the roadster came out they were open source anybody okay. could look up the design plans to how a roadster or a model s was made and you know they they have total freedom to go build that themselves okay um and that, that was something that was pushed cool. back in the day yep. but um the next one machine learning you yep. just touched on that okay. i won't touch it um artificial intelligence mm -hmm. Nina would be somebody great to go talk to about our uh, AMT's data scientist. Nina Anderson would be someone great to go to to uh, talk about, you know, just something as simple as what's the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning? Right. Or better said, what is artificial intelligence? <laughs> what is machine sure. learning? But and then there's my last one that I mentioned that we're seeing a lot of augmented reality, right. AR. Right. 
I love AR. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably my favorite term here. Okay. Um, oh, that's your favorite? It is my favorite term here. Out of the whole here. list. Okay. Out of the whole list. Um, I, augmented reality is the coolest. Like, yeah. I won't even get into VR, but augmented reality can be as complex and complicated as... A, uh, a maintenance system, like a, a, a troubleshooting program sure. from a company to help fix one of their, a, a car, either a car right. or a machine tool in our case, or and it can be as simple as a red dot site on a firearm. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's a fair. red dot yeah. site is in fact, I don't care what anybody says, it's augmented reality. Sure. You look through the glass, the sight glass of a red dot site, and it looks like you have a laser uh, sight. Sure, on sure. the firearm. It's projecting the but, red dot um, to the target. Yep. And it it puts a red dot on whatever the firearm is aiming at, and it looks like a laser, but it's not. Because right. if you don't look through that sight glass, you look around, you you, you know, disobey the yeah, laws yeah. of parallax, and you see that it's not there. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting take or interpretation of it, because that's, that's something how I interpretate, uh, interpret uh, some levels of automation, right? Right. So, the simplest thing that you can do to achieve your goal, like in this case, just projecting a, a simple red dot onto a lens, allows you to accomplish your goal of, in this case, not even projecting, it, reflecting, reflecting it. it, right? Yeah, and that's interesting. Uh, that's a really interesting take on that. I like that. Right. I mean, and, and, and then like, let's go to the next step up from a red dot site yeah. to um, a HUD, a heads-up display sure. unit, yeah. whether it's on a car yeah. or where they started on a fighter jet. Right. You know, um, I wish there were on a lot more cars. I really, I and, and <laughs> like so. My dad had a, um, a Lexus HS two fifty H, and it was, it's, it, I think it was one of the first cars. I think actually the Corvette may have been like the first mainstream car to have a heads up display unit. But um, this Lexus had a heads up display, and I was like, man, it would be really cool if it had a whiskey mark, <laughs> which uh, on a fighter jet is yeah. a little W on the heads up display that shows the pilot exactly where the nose of the plane is pointing. Okay. Um, there's another mark on the heads-up display that shows the heading. Sure. So using a lot of physics calculations, right. it shows where the plane is going. Right. And you can, and based on where the plane is pointing with respect to Earth's gravity, um, it shows where the plane is going, and you can compare that to the whiskey mark on where the plane is exactly pointed. Right, so. right, that's cool. And then, of course, you've also the, the HUD can also on a fighter jet. The HUD can also put a reticle of that uses a whole bunch more <laughs> physics calculations on where the guns, the oh, twenty right. millimeter projectiles, yeah. will go, and you can compare those yeah. three. The, the direction, the physical direction where the point the plane is pointing, the uh, heading of the plane, and then compare that with respect to the reticle of where the at, at what range the twenty millimeter projectiles, right. or in the case of the F thirty five, the twenty five millimeter projectiles will end up in like you know a hundred yards. Yep. I don't know what plane ranges sure, are, sure. but you know, sure. And to be and be fair, that's been around for a really long time. It's been around forever, <laughs> and it's like this is this is augmented reality. Yeah, yeah. I would it's agree with that. it's something that does not exist in real life. Right, right. Well, well, I don't it know, does. Know, it, it exists in real life, but it's it's a computer. I think we had the circular <laughs> reference here. <laughs> but yeah, it's fair, and and it's interesting that like in cars, this is one thing that I don't really like about cars is the size of the dashboard. It's mm -hmm. so much waste of space. It's the size of my desk at yeah. home, and I have two monitors in that. And here I've got this thing that's traveling around my car, and I don't want that. I would rather have the, all the information pushed into a heads-up display that mm -hmm. exists in the 
and the windshield. Yeah. But, you know. Life Another is instance of AR is like something like Pokemon Go. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Let's do that. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Have a good day, everybody.